0: Accutron Watches present, from New York City, this is the Accutron Show, a time travel through American culture with your hosts, Bill McCuddy, Scott Alexander, and David Graver. Visit AccutronWatch.com and discover the brand that has made American history with an all-new proprietary next-generation electrostatic energy movement, Accutron. It's not a time piece, it's a conversation piece.
1: It's hard to notice but there's there's a lot of progress everywhere and everybody's focused on the doom and gloom part of it and and not on the progress that we're actually making.
2: The person you heard at the top of the show is Hank Rogers. He's a video game designer, and entrepreneur, and the managing director of the Tetris Company. But first up, I'm Bill McCuddy, along with writer Scott Alexander and editor David Graver, here for a special episode of the Accutron Show. Stay tuned.
0: This podcast is presented by Accutron Watches. Visit our website, accutronwatch.com, and discover our iconic Space View 2020 collection, recreating the stunning visual impact of the original open dial design combined with an all new electrostatic energy movement. Time just changed again. The Accutron Space View 2020.
2: Graver, what do you do for the environment? What's your thing that you. Do you recycle? Do you put the... I
3: do recycle. I I try not to use...
2: Well this long pause tells it all. And, <laughs> and this is what I feel exactly. like. I, this is how I, I feel ride my bike a lot.
4: Are. You ride your bike. Yeah, I try. I mean, but that's... Part of that is because it's more practical in New York City a lot of times to ride my bike. So, like, but that's a nice win-win. But it's... Our guest today rides a bike.
2: And yeah. he can afford to ride just about anything he wants or be taken anywhere in anything yes. he wants. I, I
4: did... It is really frustrating... In the, if you want to do something like I was, I got concerned about plastic a couple of months ago and I was like, how can I get plastic out of my life? And I, and I did a lot of stuff, <laughs> got the plastic, you know, out of those parts and was like, is there any plastic that's in my life? I was like,
3: most of it? Everything. I
4: mean, yeah. It's everywhere. Yeah. Like every single thing you buy in the supermarket. I try it's not to
3: depressing. use single-use plastic, but yeah. it's everywhere. It's absolutely yeah. everywhere. So it's hard. There's commercials with the bottles that are just
2: in dolphins and blah, blah, blah. And I'm not even kidding. This is like, it's depressing. It's like torture right. porn.
4: But I think you have to keep your head up. Yes. Yeah. Bill. All right. I I mean, you can't I... just get hopeless about it. You got to have a, you know, a sense of mission and a sense of, because it's important. I think about it, but I'm not sure I do anything.
2: And I wonder if that's what most people, because they just don't see the results. And it's depressing to watch giant uh, ice sheets of ice come off of. uh... Well,
4: it's like if you're standing, uh, if you're stood next to a really big ship and you can, uh, in the harbor, you can push against it and push against it and push against it. It feels like it's not moving. And after about five minutes it will start to move, but it takes that much pushing to go in. You have to, the energy has to go in. And I think a that, lot of energy like has been going in. <laughs> no, that's true. Really? A lot of energy has been going into this issue now for 20 years, right? And in the last five years, it seems to have gotten quite serious. So I feel like as long as we keep pushing, this is not me saying it's fine, we can relax. I'm saying as long as we keep pushing, we do round a corner at some point.
3: You also have to be mean sometimes, and if you see someone who is being irresponsible and not recycling, you have to say, could you please recycle that? Uh, I do hate those guys. That's you?
4: An individual bottle or can is probably not going to make Every difference. bottle but, matters. But, but also, do you know that recycling is broken in the United States? Yes. So it's like, most things is not getting think, recycled anyway. I also
2: think as a country, we drink half a bottle of water and leave the other half. I see Well I cannot millions. stand,
4: like, I, I did, one thing I did do was get rid of bottled water in my life was like, this bottled water makes me just angry. Like mm-hmm. the idea that it just even exists. I guess that's so a start. Just uh, stop using bottled water. Like that's the one tiny thing you can do. Then you don't have anything to recycle. You just <laughs> have a water bottle.
2: Hank Rogers uh, is fascinating because he founded or sort of found and brought to America the video game Tetris. So he is responsible Amazing. for that addiction. Uh, that responsible many of
4: us for uh, me getting a C in geography. <laughs>
2: <and> <laughs> many, many of us. And had. there
3: is a new film on Apple TV+. Oh, it That Ben plays. Pretty plays. It's really fun. It's a I fun loved movie. it. But yeah. his
2: new Endgame is saving the planet. He actually walks the walk, rides the bike, and uh, he is going to tell us all about the money he's put up personally, how he is going state by state and country by country to get everyone to. Uh, an initiative by 2045 to be self-sufficient. Uh, he's doing it in his own home. Uh, it's a fascinating story. It will make you believe that you can do something, uh, and it has its roots in the 1960s. Like uh, your fine folks here at Accutron. It's uh, it's a great. Uh, yeah, I'm adventure. excited to talk to him. And
3: uh, in studio, he's going to be here with us. Person. In person, I'm no, not going to waste.
2: I'm not going to waste any more energy talking about it. Hank <laughs> Rogers, right after this. <laughs>
0: This podcast is presented by Accutron Watches. Visit our website, accutronwatch.com, and discover our Accutron DNA collection. Reimagined for a new generation, the Accutron DNA combines breakthrough technology, precise engineering, and modern aesthetics to achieve a new level of technical excellence. The Accutron DNA, the new face of time for those who blaze new trails.
2: Hank Rogers, welcome to the Accutron Show. We were talking before you got here about the ambivalence that most people seem to have. What's the disconnect between people that say they want to help the planet and then don't do anything?
1: Oh my gosh. Um, I think that the change is happening so slow that people don't notice. A lot of these things happen, like, outside of our lifetime. I mean, I get this answer, oh, it's not my problem. I'm going to be dead by the time it gets really bad. <laughs> said, what, well, what, what the hell? What about your kids and your grandkids? You don't care about them? Uh, so, yeah, I think that the, the change happens so slowly that, you know, like in 10 years, wow, things used to be this way. Uh, th- that is fast
3: geologically, yeah, but I don't it's know really how slow, slow in human terms.
4: That is to me. The changes I'm feeling now feel it's like... It's accelerating. Yeah. Yes. It's accelerating, of course.
3: I'm curious if you had an aha moment where you went yeah. from changing the world with video games to wanting to save the planet. Yeah, yeah I
1: was uh, in the back of an ambulance on the way to a hospital in in Hawaii. I had a, uh, it was a heart attack, 100% blockage of the Widowmaker. Uh, I just sold my company a, a month before, and I'm looking at the ceiling, and it's like, you got to be kidding me. I haven't spent any of the money yet. you know. <laughs> I, just, I just sold my company. And the second thing, I said, no, I'm not going. I still have stuff to do. And uh, so I got to thinking about what, what I mean by stuff. And uh, so in the, I decided to find my missions in life, my bucket list, so to speak.
2: And that is at what age? When, when did that 52. happen? Oh, wow. That's 52.
1: 52. Yeah. And the doctor said, you know, you, I, I gave you two stents. You don't change a goddamn thing. <laughs> uh, don't change your diet. Don't change your exercise. You're fine. Every, your lifestyle is fine.
2: Because people it listening an to this and can't see you, you look like you're in great shape. Thank you. And you were at that time.
1: Uh, I was, you know, I, I was playing tennis that, you know. It was, it was a fluke. It was a, it was a fluke. I was, yeah. So, so the doctor said, yeah, it was a fluke. It wasn't, and oh, then, oh. but you know, flukes kill. Yeah. Right. You know what yeah, I'm saying? Absolutely. I, I, I could have been, if, if it had been, if I'd have been on the big island that day, I would have died because I needed angioplasty mm-hmm. and, uh, and I made it. And, you know, my, the first mission came to me, it was in the newspaper while I was in the recovery room and said, oh, by the way, it's in the back of the newspaper now in Hawaii. Oh, by the way, we're going to kill all the coral in the world by the end of the century. I'm going, seriously? What's causing that? It's ocean acidification. What's causing that is carbon dioxide. What's causing that? We are. Is that so, what
3: helped form the mission of the Blue Planet Foundation?
1: That is the, that is the whole reason that the foundation even got started. That's, uh, I, I made up my mind I was going to end the use of carbon-based fuel.
2: And that's happening in Hawaii as of 2017? It's happening
1: in the world. Yeah, okay. You know, good, just, right. you know it's, know it's hard to notice.
2: It's hard to notice, but there's, there's
1: a lot of progress everywhere, and everybody's focused on the doom and gloom part of it and, and not on the progress that we're actually making. Mm-hmm. There, are, there are tons of cities that have said we're going to go 100%. Uh, now, thanks to us, we, we have 20 states in the U.S. that have said we're going to go 100% renewable. It's just for electricity. There's a lot of other things that are, that are producing a lot of carbon dioxide that got that swept under the rug, so to speak, like shipping. You know, when ships go into international water, they're not counted anymore. Uh, right. You know, it's like so ridiculous. And, and same, I, I don't know exactly what the deal is with planes, but yeah, there's a lot of places where we could make a big, big difference. And we're not even looking at those places because they're just, I don't know, statistics. How are your initiatives helping to facilitate change? Well, basically what we did in Hawaii is we changed people's thinking. You know, that's the main thing. So, I mean, I, I remember being on a panel and uh, this is, this, I don't know whether it was before or after we passed the mandate, but I said, we're going to go 100% renewable energy by 2045. The guy next to me says, uh, this is what I study for a living at the University of Hawaii. There is no way we can go 100% renewable by 2045. <sighs> we're like, what? OK, so I said, well, I'm not as smart as this guy, so I'm going to do it anyway. <laughs> and guess what? Guess what? We have already hit our 2030 goal of forty percent renewable energy. Oh, today. So
2: explain to people what that means exactly. Are you one hundred percent solar wind? so what
1: what it used to be is the the utility made uh, made all basically all of the electricity from oil and coal, a billion dollars of coal and two billion dollars of oil. a year, okay? And so that's... Or just Hawaii. This is Hawaii. Right. This is Hawaii. Yeah. Uh, so that's what we were up against. And, uh, you know, Hawaii, if anything, is the mecca of wind and solar. We mm. have trade winds to die for. We're the southernmost state in the country, which means we have the best solar. And we have geothermal. Are you kidding me? Geothermal is a bottomless pit of energy that is just mostly untapped for stupid reasons uh, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, So yeah, there's all this stuff there. We paid the highest price for electricity in the country and we have all this availability of renewable energy. So the utility pays 25 cents per kilowatt hour for oil. Just remember that. And they make their old business model is 10% on the price of oil. The new business model is: is we say, okay, you can make more money by switching to renewables. Uh, wind and solar come in at eight cents. Hmm. If you add storage, it's up to twelve cents. whoop de doo It's half the cost to them of uh, of oil. And so basically, we say, oh, okay, you can make instead of two and a half cents, you can make three cents. Guess who's our best friend now? <laughs> <laughs>
2: it's, so it's funny because we heard for years that wind was inefficient, was never going to pay out, was never going to be able to... Oh, uh, that's
1: all nonsense. I mean, I, I talked to a Danish a guy who was who wanted to do offshore wind in, in Hawaii, and he'd already done uh, onshore in Texas, and he was selling and making money at
3: two cents per kilowatt hour into the grid in Texas. It really is a follow-the-money sort of thing. That's where the transfer of power will actually come. <sighs> it's just, I mean, like if we
1: were to give, them a, give renewables a level playing field, like we, we subsidize fossil fuel to the tune of $7 trillion a year. And it's basically, what are we incentivizing here? Why are we subsidizing? Why are
4: we pushing fossil instead of renewable? There's you, no reason. You mentioned geothermal, and I know there's been some technological breakthroughs with that recently, haven't there? Like, well, it depends on which— plants you, uh, and newer, newer of, places you can put them. Of course. Geothermal, ha- you know, they, they
1: started doing it in Iceland back in the 70s. And so you can imagine that there's been lots and lots of technological—but up. Uh, yeah. but there was nothing even wrong with that. If you look at what they did in the 70s in, in Iceland, it's a miracle. Mm-hmm. They went from having a cloud dust over Reykjavik for heat and hot water— to having electricity,
4: heat, and hot water from geothermal. Right. And the, <laughs> but there, as I understand, there's more places. That's more adaptable to more places now, geothermal.
1: Um, yeah, we have directional drilling. Right. We have closed loop, which means that, that you know, in the old days, you would send something down and you would get steam coming out of the other side. Now it's a closed loop. Okay. So there's nothing leaking from the system anymore. So you can use other things besides water
2: to... power your uh turbines okay you mentioned 20 states are coming on board hawaii first was hawaii the low-hanging pineapple for lack of a better term because of the fact that it had so much wind and so much sun and are there states that just will never be able to get there by 2045
1: uh no no one will never be able to get there (laughs) and yes hawaii is the low-hanging fruit because of the the just the cost structure the cost structure Oh,
0: because it was the, so expensive.
1: It's to, so the expensive. O- oil and coal are so expensive in Hawaii.
4: They're so disincentivized for those, so that's rolling downhill for people. Do you feel like there's a factor of people in Hawaii might be more in touch with nature just because they live closer to the ocean? Or they live closer to the.
1: Mm, eh, that would be nice, but yes, and uh, there's a nice culture there. I, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say there's it has nothing to do with it, mm-hmm. uh, but we went to bat to get the people on our side. Because, you know, like, like, it's like this. You have the, coal, the the oil fire power plant. Where does that, the, the garbage from that uh, power plant go? It goes offshore. And so because it goes offshore, it's like, it th- doesn't bother anybody. Problem, right? <laughs> you know, it's like not our problem or whatever. So they're not in it. And uh, you know, if you live somewhere where they have a coal-fired power plant and it's causing your kids to wheeze and right, not be where able to play, you live in a
4: valley and it whatever. Yeah, yeah. Or whatever,
1: then, you know. then you know it. You know, oh, Beijing should freaking know it. <laughs> you right. can't even see the sun.
3: Yeah. I saw that some of your work was dedicated to energy storage, and that's something that I have very little knowledge about. And I'm wondering if you can shed some light on that.
1: Yeah. So we, one of the uh, laws that we pass is, is a solar rebate. So we helped the rooftop solar, and we were expecting somewhere around 30 megawatts of rooftop solar in a couple of years. We ended up with 300. <laughs> it was just like wildfire. And then the utility said, "No, wait, wait, we can't handle that much on the grid." And the reason if, the reason for it is is that all of a sudden the sun shines or a cloud cover comes, and that that drops or increases the uh, so the it's amount of well, yeah well. on the grid. Mm-hmm. And uh, so the grid isn't built to handle that. And so that's where storage comes in. I figured. Uh, I just did it personally. I, had, I have a little ranch on the big island, and I decided, well, let's figure this out. My ranch is like a little island. I'm going to disconnect from the electric company, and we're going to figure out how how it works. How do you – what happens when you disconnect? Well, first of all, I uh, had to build – overbuild the solar so that it would, would work on a cloudy day, um, which is what islands and, you know, what's what everybody needs to do. Uh, the the real problem is on a sunny day we have all kinds of extra energy. What do you do with the extra energy? What a problem to have, <laughs> you know? What to do with the excess energy? And in, in uh, well, yeah, you can see in, in Iceland they they smelt aluminum. They they made like five or six times as much electricity as they actually needed for for their country. Um, uh, what we what we do is we use that excess energy to make hydrogen, and hydrogen is a f- is a fuel that you can store long term and Coming down the pike are hydrogen trucks and buses, even cars. Uh, but shipping should all safely. be done Safely. That's a
2: technology that we're going to be able to harbor safely in cars and well, trucks it's and stuff? Well, f-
1: it's a fuel. You've got to treat it with respect. If you mix hydrogen and oxygen at just the right amount and spark it, you will hear a very loud sound. <laughs> but, I mean, if you look at all the fossil fuels, if you have a, a leak of, I don't know, gas or right. gasoline, whatever... It's heavier than air. So what it does is it goes down and it follows the the ground until it finds a spark, and then it comes back and blows your ass up if you're in a car. Uh, Hydrogen Gas
4: stations are just bombs sitting on every corner in America.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Hydrogen, if there's a hydrogen leak, it's the lightest element in the universe. It disappears right away. You can't take hydrogen that's just floating in the air and, and ignite it. There's no way. It's moving too fast.
2: Of the fossil fuels we are still using, is diesel finally clean? I was just in London. We were talking about this before, uh, and it's the cleanest I've ever seen it. And I know they have diesel cabs, but they also have a tremendous number of elec- of electric vehicles now. Uh, is have we cleaned up the the be- some of the bad fuels as well?
1: No, we have not.
4: <laughs> okay, so that was just... <laughs> we have an-
1: not. We have not. I, I think uh, part of London thing is they don't allow cars that are not from London in in London, so they've de- decreased the number of cars in London. I think that's one. I don't the know. The, I don't know the details. The city, yeah. yeah, there's I, a congestion. Tax I, I, I don't know the details, but uh, I know that uh, they're banning diesel in certain cities now, banning diesel. So uh, it, it may be more efficient when it burns or something, but it's worse for the air pollution.
4: Yeah, I would imagine it's a marginal improvement.
2: Basically. It looked cleaner. It's anecdotal. You know, you well, start saying things.
4: The city itself could be cleaner because they're letting fewer cars.
2: Yeah, in the city, but, but
4: they're talking about doing the same thing in New York.
2: Uh, What's our best city? What's our worst city in the United States? I have no idea. Really? Yeah. I mean... Has New York gotten better in the time you've lived here?
1: Well, when I lived here uh, as a student, I mean, if if, if it snowed, you know, within hours, it would be covered with soot. (laughs) And what year is is that? Uh, So I left New York in 72. Mm Mm-hmm. So, so
4: right, so soot was falling. From, I mean, you hear about people dining. You didn't want to eat outside on the sidewalk oh, yeah. because you get your food oh, would yeah. be covered in soot.
1: Oh yeah, and 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 uh, the building I lived in uh, basically was heated with bunker oil.
4: <laughs> bunker oil. <laughs> right. Yeah. And People were burning their trash. Probably still.
1: Uh, I don't know about that. I mean, I have, you know, I was a high yeah. school student. It wasn't really my. Right. It, field of interest
2: hank rogers is on a mission to save the planet he rode he does he didn't today he walked but uh, he makes his home in hawaii and uh, new york and when he's in new york he rides a bike Uh, any near-death experiences there nope okay good we're gonna find out more about hank uh, how he got where he got and uh, what's he got on the plate so far what's he spent doing this cleaning up the planet also he has a very unique calling card that i think he brought for each of us please join us with more Uh, hank rogers is saving the planet that's his new end game and this is the accutron show we'll be right back
0: this podcast is presented by accutron watches visit our website accutronwatch.com and discover our legacy collection. Reviving some of the most memorable Accutron watches from the 60s and 70s, the Legacy Collection combines timeless design with the technical excellence of Swiss watchmaking, each limited to 600 individually numbered pieces. The Accutron Legacy Collection, inspired by the past, built for the future.
2: Welcome back to the Accutron Show. Our guest is Hank Rogers. He started his career uh, in a very odd way with a a game that they actually made a movie about, but now he's, we'll talk about that in a moment,
3: but now he's saving the planet. I'm very curious, with all of the powerful work that you are doing, how would you empower people that find sustainability daunting? How would you tell a younger generation to get it together to participate?
1: Um. (sighs) You know, it's, it's, it, it's funny. Uh, we, we kind of expect the United Nations and then countries to sort of get their act together and fix this problem. But in their moment of glory with the Paris Agreement, they haven't been able. First of all, their uh, ambitions aren't, aren't high enough. And second of all, even those ambitions, nobody's on track. So uh, it really isn't going to get done by the United Nations. We just have to accept that fact. Okay, once we accept that fact and we realize that it's the United People that are going to get this done, then um, in, we as individuals need to take action in our own lives, wherever we can. So if you know something about your behavior that could improve, you know, like, you know, I, I say, say start small, turn off a light in a room where there's no people. What's the point? You know, you, you, uh, at night I see all these buildings with lights on everywhere. And it's, it's just ridiculous. Why are they on? There's nobody there. Uh, and there, there's so many things like that. Um, <clears throat> with rubbish, you know, you can see people just throw their rubbish in different places. Pick up, the rub- pick up after yourself. These are all, you know, very common sense things. But once you start a habit yes. of doing something, which I've got a bunch of different habits. You, you mentioned that I ride bicycle. Um, but, you know, I'm, uh, I sold a company. So I've, I have, how can I say, I'm well-to-do, so to speak. So in Hawaii, all my property, my, my ranch and my house off-grid, uh, I have electric vehicles, which I charge only at my ranch. I mean, wow. so, so my travel, my vehicle travel is all off-grid also. So, you know, the place that I really can't do anything about is air travel. And, uh, well, I made up my mind I'm not doing a private jet. So I, I always fly commercials. So that's, uh, that may be something, but still, that's still a, a big, a big thing. And then there's the whole supply chain of everything I consume. You know, I, I don't know where it comes from, and I don't know where it goes, and that's that's on me. Uh, and I'm kind of working on figuring out how to make that transparent.
4: I find really interesting this idea that you're doing, inst- like like you said, the Paris Agreement and these kind of large, worldwide, countrywide initiatives. They might be too big of a bite to take out of this problem. That you're going state by state and saying, "Hey, what if we just get this state to yeah. agree? Just get this one." And that's that feels like a. More practical. It's a bite-sized issue. chunks. It's instead yeah. of trying to eat the whole meal all, all at once. <laughs> where's
1: where's the frontier? Food.
4: Where's the front on that fight?
1: Yeah. Um, for me, the, 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 the low-hanging fruit in this fight is islands. Okay. Because Hawaii is an island and, uh, you know, they, they, we pay the most for electricity. Right. And so now I'm working on island countries. So last year we did uh, Tonga, Tuvalu, Palau. Okay. So
4: we're going island country by island
1: country. The ones that
4: are about to disappear into the sea.
1: Yeah, so if you talk to Tuvalu, if you want to talk to me and talk about climate change, you better talk fast because we're twang, not going to be around. Yeah. <laughs> but here's the deal: you know, um, the, the, the deal is, how much does it co- is it going to cost us to fix climate change? That's one price point. And how much is it going to cost us to move everybody that lives within 10 meters of sea
2: level? Right. New York, mm-hmm. London, Tokyo. Yeah, they're talking about New York is becoming the next Venice. Yeah, in, our, I mean, our, in our children's lifetime, it yeah, may it, start to sink. So,
1: so, and then this is the question of reducing the amount of carbon dioxide that's in the atmosphere. And what, what are we doing? We're adding to it.
2: Without you know? embarrassing you, you mentioned uh, it's going to cost a lot to do all this. You, were, you made your wealth in the Tetris game. We've talked about that. We'll talk about it a little more. But uh, how much have you put on the table personally? What do you have invested?
1: Well, to do Hawaii, cost me about $10 million.
2: Thank Uh, you. (laughs) Truly.
1: No, I mean, I mean, it's, it's, we did things like had uh, school children go door to door and exchange 300,000 light bulbs, thereby having a conversation between a child and adult about climate change.
2: Oh, that's great. That's That's really, you know, that kind of thing. That's to David's point about how are we going to get person by person.
1: Yeah, we, and we, we have. Uh, person in the Blue Planet Foundation dedicated to speaking to school children, he's out in classrooms every day. That's what we do. I mean, it's, it's got to be the kids. The kids stopped us from smoking. Right. You know, all of this, all of these uh, public service messages like cigarettes are going to give you cancer, you're going to die, blah, 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 didn't work. It's when they got to our children and said, you know, your father is going to die if he, if he continues smoking. And and when, my, when one of my children asked me, can you please stop smoking? It, yeah, I'd, I'd like you to be around. You know, that, uh, that hit us personally. And if our children say, you know what, can, can you please stop uh, burning fossil fuel? Uh, you're ruining my future. You're ruining my, the, my life. Our planet. Well, but giving an,
4: an option a replacement option is really helpful. Like I've heard, heat pumps apparently are a big energy saver for houses. People are talking about getting heat pumps put in instead of air conditioning systems and and gas boilers. <laughs> yeah, how stupid is
1: it to have an air conditioner in one part of the house and a pool heater in the other side? <laughs> and they're both using fossil fuel. And, right. and what we really need to do is get the cool from the pool into the house and right. the heat from the house into the pool. That is a classic heat classic pump, you know, thing. Right. So, yeah, I mean, uh, it just, we, we, those are two different companies. That's the problem. Right. One is an air conditioning company and one is a pool heater company. Uh, but engineers can figure this stuff out. Yeah.
2: Your uh, road to advocacy began where? We talked about the, the heart attack was the turning point for you doing something with the planet. But I wonder if in the 60s you witnessed any kind of protest and, and thought, okay, one man can do something or one person can Oh, yeah.
1: So, so I was 17. We protested. One, two, three, four. We don't want your effing war. Uh, we closed. The, we went on strike. This is after Kent State. And, uh, you know, the whole nation went on strike. We went protest. And uh, why? Well, what did the Vietnamese people ever do to us that made us want to go over there and kill them or them kill us? I mean, it's, look, at, look at today. We're best of buddies. Right. It's like it's so ridiculous that we fought that war, um, and so <clears throat> what that made made me think, or made me believe, is that we, the people, can actually stop a war. We, the people, can actually stop climate change if and we. Change the
4: behavior of the government.
1: Oh yeah, I mean yeah, absolutely.
2: But you learned it starts with laws and not just talking about it. And that was the thing that you did in Hawaii and that you're trying to do in, in all the states is in, to get real laws uh, enacted that say, by this date, you will be. All right.
1: So, first of all, if no deadline, no action. You know, if you don't give it a deadline, it's like you, you tell your your kid you got to clean your room and there's no deadline and it's never going to be By 2045. <laughs> yeah. So 2045 is, it was a negotiation between us and the politician. We won a 2040. Uh, they, they won wanted 2050. We negotiated and got 2045. 2045 turns out to be the 100th anniversary of the United Nations. Ah. Let's fix everything by 2045. We're on the SDGs, the Sustainable Development Goals. Let's have the next 15 years, 2030 to 2045, be the regenerative development goals. Let's fix everything that we've broken about nature and put back everything that we've stolen. I mean, that's what it is. And we and you talk about fixing the planet. It's not the planet. The planet is fine without us. Well, what it is is our environment. We're basically killing ourselves. Fixing our air oh, and yeah, our water. Our, our drinking water, our, our oxygen, our, everything that we need, the, our food production. Uh, all of that stuff is at stake here. And we're just playing, I don't know, with dynamite. This, we don't know where this goes if we just let it go. Now I think that that technology and and willpower will win over climate change. That's just the way I'm. That's the way I'm wired.
3: How do you maintain optimism in this battle to keep our air clean, to keep our water I, clean? I I look for solutions. Uh, I look for people who are on the
1: right side of things. If you if you listen to the the climate leaders like Greta Thunberg or or. Um, uh, Christiana Figueres, it's not too late. It is definitely not too late. what well, you could say it's never too late, but uh, now is much better than tomorrow. Doing something is better than doing nothing.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And, and, you know, people ask me if I have hope. And I say, no, I don't have hope. I have
2: determination. And practical solutions. Oh, and, the and
1: practical it... solutions. I mean, it doesn't even need a practical solution. You know, like... Um, John F. Kennedy said we're going to the moon. He didn't have a practical solution. He just said we're going.
3: Yes.
1: <laughs> you know, and, and uh, when we decided to go to war in World War II or whatever, there's no practical solution. We just have to go and do this.
4: Right. Uh, you and start thinking about, like, how. How. You're going to get bogged down. Yeah. Are we all going to be driving electric soon.
2: cars in the next five years? Ten years? We should I be driving know. them now.
4: I hope so. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, That's what I do.
2: I know, and a lot I, know.
4: More. I was driving yesterday, I saw a Kia electric, and I was like, oh, Kia's making electric cars. Like, there's-
1: Everybody's going to make electric cars. Yeah.
4: Everybody. Yeah. Now and there get, are deadlines. There are actual get, deadlines. There are a actual lot of companies. deadlines, and, and so that's the next thing that we're
1: doing, is we're eliminating internal combustion engines from being sold, and that's what we're working on in Hawaii now. I mean, Norway's already done it. No more, electric, uh, no more internal combustion after 2025.
2: What do oh. the gas stations do? they they become fuel
3: companies stations, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and entertainment hubs for when you're charging your Starbucks
2: vehicles. coming soon to you. But uh,
3: here uh, but here's the deal. So, so
1: the company that was uh, supplying Hawaii with coal, a billion dollars a year with the coal-fired power plant, that company is now the number one solar producer in Hawaii.
2: That's so, great, but you know big oil and big coal are gonna fight you in every state on this. Great.
1: That's fine. That's our problem with that. But this is is free enterprise. This is capitalism. If I have a cheaper product that does less pollution, and they're not calculating how much we, the people, have to pay for the damage that they're causing. Yes. You know, that's not included in the price of whatever that they're selling us. They're saying... yeah, buy this oil and ignore the part where we're destroying your environment and you have to spend the billions of dollars in the future, trillions of dollars to fix it. Okay, you guys fix it. You should. That should be the part of your cost. You can't, you can't just like, yeah, like I'm going to make this pollution and let somebody else clean it up for you. you know?
2: All of this uh, was funded, as we alluded to, by uh, a trip you took to Russia and a famous... Uh, motion picture that's been made on Apple. Uh, you're the guy that brought Tetris to the United States.
1: I wa- So I, my real claim to fame is I brought role-playing games to Japan in 1983. I made the first role-playing game in Japan. I ended up with a publishing company.
4: Which is like the home of role-playing games. Was that, Black Onyx? Sh- yeah, clear, that was like- Black
1: Onyx? Yeah, that then, was Black Onyx. And then what happened was I started traveling around the world looking for games to bring to Japan as a publisher, and I found Tetris at a consumer electronics show. Um, And then, you know, then Nintendo was coming out with Game Boy, and I looked through all the contracts that uh, anybody had about Tetris. Nobody had handheld, so I went after the handheld rights.
2: Yeah, the movie's fascinating because there were a lot of loopholes. There were a lot of different uh, people that were trying to get into that space, and you had the tenacity, Taron Egerton plays you, uh, to camp there meet the guy that actually developed it become friendly with him party with him and uh it's a fun it's a fun ride it's a fun movie
1: yeah. <laughs> it's a fun movie and i'm writing the book because the movie is a fun movie and the, the, the actual story is different but just as interesting
2: <laughs> what's uh, when's that coming out
1: i'm looking for a um uh how can I say a an agent i'm just wrapping it up now
2: yeah, I would think you would have no difficulty with the, with the life you've had and the mission that you're on, uh, getting anybody to tell your story.
3: It was a very dramatic, um, there was much tension in the film. And I'm wondering if you felt that opposition, the immense amount of opposition that is depicted. The tension was definitely there. The tension was definitely there,
1: but it was slow motion, Mm -hmm. you know, it was slow motion. It's like I'm, you know, but I'm in the lobby of Elorg the very first day and I show him my product. And at that moment, I have two million dollars worth of cartridges in manufacturing. That's all a true story. It wasn't my profit. It was my in-laws, everything they'd ever worked for was collateral for making cartridges. Oh and uh, this guy says, uh, we never license the rights to console to anyone. And I'm going, like, no! oh, <laughs> I was in serious deep kimchi at that moment. And uh, so, but I said, okay, I'm here to get the the, the Game Boy rights. Let's finish that first. And uh, I focused on that. And yeah, that was a good thing to do. Do you so play must. games now? I do. I do. Uh, I play, you know, I, I kill time. Like, I was a little bit early today, so I stopped at a coffee shop, and I'm playing a game while I'm waiting at the coffee shop. I love
2: that. Well, tell us what it was.
1: Ah, uh, gosh. Um, Candy well, I, Crush or one of those, I play, like, golf I, games? I, or I, I play Wordle every day. Oh, do you? I play Wordle, oh, sure, sure. I yeah. play Wordle every day. Uh, so uh, there's that. Um,
2: what's your What's your start word?
1: Oh, it's all over the place.
2: Really, you don't I, have one. A lot more people I started, just have one. Uh, no,
1: I started with one, and I did it for a while. And it, it used to be ideas.
4: Uh, I'm, has, I'm audio. Uh,
1: it has, uh, but you know the, the, I'm the so you so basically you can eliminate it. But it's it just got boring.
4: Right, audio audio too easy. That's the thing. I, yeah, I, I feel like Wordle. I like got to the bottom of it. I was like, okay. Yeah. Right. Tetris. Right. I still haven't gotten to the bottom. I've been playing Tetris for forty years. I still play it. My daughter. 15 years old, plays it all the time. She's obsessively playing Tetris still. The, the, it's amazing the depth and the longevity in the kind of brain of that, that I th- formula. I
1: think that Tetris is unique in that it is a constructive game. You're actually building those lines and mm-hmm. you're, you're it's order out of chaos, which really appeals to a lot of people. And, and a lot of other games are destructive. It's chaos mm-hmm. out of order. Uh, you're trying to blow things up and so on and so forth. But if you look at the world, the world is mostly order out of chaos. I mean, right. we have all these wonderful buildings and and objects that we've created and so on and
2: so forth. Um it's well, the things and tend problems to make us happy. Problems of all shapes that keep falling at us. Right. Like yeah, and we deal with them. <laughs> yeah. you know, if you put
4: them together the in the right is,
1: order, is deal then. with it.
2: Like, I had the pleasure of having lunch uh, with Hank and the man who designed the. Uh, remind me of his name, who actually designed the, uh, oh, the game. Oh, yeah, Alexey. Yeah, we right. were. Okay. We had lunch, and uh, the most, the most uh, depressing thing about it was I announced to these guys that I had made it to the end, and Hank goes. You mean the? And he says something, and I go. I said, no, the, the space the, shuttle, the rocket going. He goes, oh no, there's five of those. I'm like, oh <laughs> no, <laughs> I was so sure I'd made it to the end. Uh, yeah. uh, at the end, also, he gave me a little uh, calling card. you want to tell these guys what it was? A blue marble. Yeah, oh, there you go. So, and if you're listening yeah. to this, he's now handing them out yeah. to us. It, this is there his. This is his business it's card. It's the Blue Planet.
1: Uh, so the Blue Planet is a concept. It's um, it's a worldview starting in Hawaii. If you start in Hawaii and you back off the planet, look back down at the planet, it's pretty much a blue planet. And that is sort of the vision of, you know, Hawaii is still the, like one of the last paradises on earth. Uh, it's the least affected by, I, I would say, climate change, although we have hurricanes now, uh, but it's still, the, you know, the least affected. And so I'd like the world to, to become Hawaii. I'd like it will start in Hawaii and, and then go around the world. Let's all be like Hawaii. Mm-hmm.
2: We want to do the next episode for at the house. Is that possible? Yeah. At
1: the ranch. Yes. Yeah. Sure. We'll fly commercial. Okay. We,
2: we probably won't be in the same part of the plane that you fly in, but we will come and we will do uh, another Accutron show at in Hawaii.
1: I will pick you up in my Tesla X. <laughs> See you there. And you (laughs) you can stay at my ranch. It's an executive retreat. We're on our way. Book it.
2: (laughs) Hank Rogers, thank you so much for joining us on the Accutron Show. You have a mission. We're behind it 100%. And now we're carrying your calling card, this little marble.
0: There you go. Thank you. Thank you, Hank. Thanks, Hank. Thank you for listening to the Accutron Show. To listen to all of our shows, visit accutronwatch.com. To learn more about the world of Accutron, follow us on Instagram at Accutron and subscribe to our podcast from New York City. Until next time, Accutron time.